Well, Dr. Crosby, so glad to have you in Minnesota here talking church today. It's a pleasure to have you. Delighted to be here with you, Logan. Looking forward to our time together. Absolutely. Now, you've been a pastor, a professor of theology, and now you have a new assignment in leading Emerge. Can you tell us a little bit about that change and why you went there? Yeah, you know, it's a, a role that we never anticipated being in, leading a, a national counseling ministry. So about a year before the pandemic hit, uh, we were asked to come and to lead a ministry that then was about 46 years old. Emerge now just went into his 50th year ministry. And uh, God did some things in our lives, helped us to see kind of some of the steps we had taken before were leading to this. So about four years, we made the move from uh, Florida to Akron, Ohio to lead Emerge. And then about a year later, the pandemic yeah, hit. So right. suddenly the need for counseling radically changed. Yeah, you mentioned that. Did you see a, a high influx of calls and people coming in? I mean, obviously there was people that were locked down, but talk about the even that rise in the need over the last few years. You know, the uh, season that we all went through with that, of course, it brought so many changes to so many people in so many different ways. And I think if there was a word that everybody was talking about, it was pivot mm, sure. know, during that time. Yeah. So early on, we kind of developed an acronym to live with that we used and much to our surprise, we used it during that period, but then we continue to use it. The P is press into the need. The I is innovate solutions. The V is the toughest, vacate the irrelevant. Mm. The O, optimize resources. And the T, team forward. Suddenly, teams took on a whole new meaning. So Pamela and I made that move, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, whatever stigma there was about counseling was gone. Yeah. Now the stigma was, what's your problem? You don't have a counselor? Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, so we began to hire more counselors. Because of counseling being an essential service, we really never had to close our doors. Mm -hmm. But we went from about 1% telehealth to about 70% telehealth. Wow. We hired new clinicians. Their schedules would rapidly fill. So it's been a season of just uh, more traction and and just asking God to lead us in in reaching out to people in need. Yeah, absolutely. When with your counselors, what would you say over these past few years has been the largest thing that they're counseling about? Is overall ministry stress, marriages? I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of things, but what are some of the trends that you're seeing? You know, it is definitely anxiety, depression traumas that people have experienced. But maybe one of the most unique is I think the stay-at-home uh, challenges that we went through then, uh, that for some many times brought a lot of blessings. Some people like working in their jammies, you know, yeah. and all that. But it pushed families and people together. So there were already some underlying issues that people were dealing with in their marriages, with their kids and their family. That period exacerbated it, yeah. and so it became more profound. So we we found many people that had been living with that challenge in their life, and this, this brought it to the forefront, so they needed to get help. The other is some people in these seasons were kind of driven back to old attachments, maybe old patterns, oh, sure. old habits that were harmful. And we, we've seen a lot of that, and of course it's been a very challenging season for pastors and leaders. Absolutely. What percentage of the people that you counsel at Emerge are pastors versus people who aren't in ministry? You know, what is interesting is the thing that we're known for, because for 50 years, Emerge has been working with pastors and missionaries. Hardly a day goes by that they're not flying into our area to spend a few days with us for intensives. 
but it probably represents maybe 10 to 15% of what we do because we do loads of counseling with people in our community, uh, people throughout Ohio. Uh, We even have people from Canada that come down, you know, of course, people in Minnesota and other places. Um, There are even people in Michigan that will drive over the border and go to Starbucks and do telehealth (laughs) because of the, you know, the limitations related to licensure. Okay, got it. When you think of people who, you talk about this stigma, people who've accepted this reality, do you see more people that are now coming in, not only in crisis, but actually are using it in a preventative way? You know, we really do. There, there are a couple of words that we like to, to contrast at Emerge. One is wellness. You hear so much about wellness today. It's almost like an ad nauseum, you know? Sure. There's so much so that there's a mockumentary on Netflix about wellness <laughs> and all the little oils and everything. You, and, right. and we think all that's probably much of it is well and good, and probably many of our team members utilize a good bit of it, but we like the word wholeness better. Mm. We think it's more theologically rich. It's more purposeful. Uh, you know, Eugene Peterson, the passage in Isaiah that talks about he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. He translates Prince of Peace as Prince of Wholeness. Mm. So we love that. And then we also contrast soul care and self-care. Uh, you know, sometimes when you hear the word self-care as a Christian, you think, wait a minute, didn't Jesus say we're supposed to die to self? Sure. So how does that work? So we believe soul care is a more a more effective approach. In other words, I'm not just going to get this help to strengthen my life, but I'm getting this help to become more whole so that I can help others right. as well. Yeah. And but yeah, we're seeing we're seeing an increase in need, and uh, and we're seeing people that are are beginning to to kind of take more of a wholeness approach. Case in point, I met with a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and he told me share my story. <laughs> so I will. And uh, when I took the role at Emerge, he said you're going to work with Emerge. You guys have helped ministers for years. He said, listen, my marriage is strong. I feel good about it. The church is doing well. He even has like a side business. He said, that's doing well. My kids are doing well, but I see so many people crashing and burning that I'm afraid. When does my kind of tempting hour come? And he said, could you help us with it? Well, he just came and spent four days at Emerge, not because of any problem, but because he wants his soul to be healthy right. and to be strong. Yeah. Now, not everyone is at that place. Sometimes they're distracted by the things of life, the busyness of their church, the busyness mm-hmm. of their family and everything. What are some indicators that you see to where people start opening themselves up to realize maybe I'm a leader, but I actually, I, I can't do this on my own? Yeah. You know, there are, and of course, there are multiple signs <clears throat> that uh, people see related to counseling. You know, when they feel overwhelmed, Maybe there's a haunting emotion they're dealing with and they can't shake it. Maybe they're in an academic program. They're trying to get something completed and they just for the life of them cannot do it. Uh, Maybe there's a shame they're dealing with, a guilt they're dealing with, a a relationship that's in a very difficult place that they're dealing with in their lives. And I I think with this, what we're finding is that there's there's such a need inside of people to, to find peace, to find purpose, to find wholeness. And, uh, and, and we're finding that, you know, among people who are, who are coming to emerge. We see a lot of young people that self-diagnose themselves with things like depression or anxiety, clinical diagnosis yes. that, that maybe they, they've just 
they feel they don't know where what else to say, and so they just mm-hmm. diagnose themselves with that. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences that you see, even with this younger generation? I don't know if maybe there are like the average age of the person that you're working with, but people who self-diagnose themselves with an anxious day or an anxious week with "I am now an anxious person." Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, you know we have about forty counselors at Emerge. And the, the people that we work with, we're living in an age where so much information is available, so many ways to communicate with other people, so many ways to kind of consider comparing yourself, looking at other people, and trying to figure out, you know, where am I, and uh, am I okay, uh, and how do I know, if, you know, if I am. So part of the, to, to respond a, a little bit more to that question and the one you asked a little bit earlier, we're finding ministers and leaders that are facing challenges internally that are shocking them. You know, I remember one pastor that told me he's having panic attacks in the pulpit. Mm. You know, young, in his 30s, walking up to a pulpit, getting ready to preach, and he said, the words begin to swim on the page, my heart begins to pal- palpitate. This big, strong guy. And uh, and he said, I just I just don't know how to deal with it. Wow. So, you know, the the, the much-loved book and one our counselors enjoy a lot, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, it really does. So there are indicators. There are things in life that, uh, that show us the need for counseling. One that we recommend is having what we call a pain partner. Okay. You know, someone that, you know, you can, you can be honest about life. You're free to share your joys. If you just had a great thing happen to you, you could share it and, and know they'll celebrate with you. Mm-hmm. But if something real difficult's going on, you can do it as well. And I think, too, Logan, we live in an age in which our faces are in so many screens, and I, I have plenty of them that I yeah. use, but that we often miscountenance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at 20 years ago before we were so deviced, you know, yeah. in our culture, we were looking at one another more. And when Pamela and I do couples events, part of what we do is, okay, you're going to do three or four knees-to-knees conversations, looking right at one another. Because one of, the, one of the reasons marriages are failing is because we're not hearing one another, we're not looking at one another. So we miss when the countenance changes. The, the most popular question we ask every day is, how's it going? How you doing? Right. Fine. And we run right by one another. Yeah. But every now and then, there's something that's it. Okay. And a person in that moment needs you to say, no, how are you really doing? And giving you just a moment's space to be honest. So we're finding that, and we're finding too many friendless leaders in our Mm. culture, too many uh, that have plenty on their minds and hearts, no place they feel they can comfortably and safely share it. So when when you deal with that, you hit a point where you say, well, do I need a friend? Do I need to work at friendship? And I do believe friendship is worth the work yeah. to make it happen. Uh, if you're waiting around to connect closely with someone, just sitting in your house, mm-hmm. it's not ever going to happen. It takes initiative. Um, and so, you know, it, it's an area that we we work with a number of people on. But when you hit that point where you need counseling, you need therapy, Emerge, our goal that we really move, move with is we don't want counseling to be rent a friend. Sure, Counseling yeah. doesn't take the place of friendship. So, so we utilize biblical truth, psychological insight, neuroscience, and we utilize rapid 
resolution therapy. We, in other words, we want you as a counselee to have a beginning and a completion point to sure. your counseling. Will there ever be more counseling? Sure. Uh, there, that may be needed. And if you feel it, you can come back and get it. But so many people uh, are looking to find the help that they need. There's so many places to, to find certain measures of it. Uh, but there, there also is the need to, uh, to get the right kind of help. Yeah, no, that, that's such a great distinction. I've always thought about that in counseling, that there are friends that I see that in some ways use counseling as a crutch to not get better. And yes. not that I believe that's the vast majority of it, but again, to your point, maybe they don't have a friend. They, they're looking for someone to talk to, and they go, this right. person I can talk to, and now they actually have to pay that person right. to do it. Um, the way I've always defined when people ask, who's your best friend? I always tell them this, that your best friend is who you spend the most time with on purpose. Because mm -hmm. the person at yeah. your workplace, right, it, it's not your best friend. You work together. That you're, no. you're both getting paid or your counselor. You're paying them to be there. Sure. But it's that you're both intentionally there. Can you talk about being a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to find friends. It's true. Uh, especially in, as a lead pastor in a congregation, everyone who's in your circle really is you're their pastor. Yeah. And so you can't be fully candid with everyone. Maybe your elders or maybe your executive pastor, but again, even mm -hmm. then you're kind of their boss. Can right. you talk about over your years of pastoring, what things you did to be intentional about making friends? Because I think that's one of the most important things that I see of pastors mm -hmm. in the country today is finding real friends. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think there were too many years in my early ministry, ironically, even when I was a youth pastor years ago, where I probably, I, I had some really good friends, but as I look back now, uh, it would have been good for me to have even done more. And I love your definition as the, the person you spend time with on purpose. Uh, you know, there are three, two or three different kinds of relationships. One is a replenishing relationship. That's the person, you know, it feels like, man, it's been 10 minutes. You look at your watch, you've been with them for an hour. Yeah. Then there's some, it feels like it's been an hour and it's been 10 <laughs> yeah, minutes. You know, that's, that, that, that's a requiring relationship, yeah. but we're going to have some of those. Might be that person that you work with in the church or in leadership, then they kind of rub you the wrong way, but you, you're kind of required to work with them. So you deal with it. And then they're reciprocal, kind of give a little give and take. But, um, you know, one of the things Pamela and my wife and I decided probably 15 years ago, we took some time to look at where our life was relationally, connecting with other people. And we said, you know what? We want more friends, solid friends. And I think if you have three to five close friends, even two or three, you may be an unusually blessed person. Sure. So we decided, you know what? We're going to work on it. And uh, so, you know, good night to invite a couple out to a meal. It's Taco Tuesday night, you know, discount. And uh, we started doing that week after week, inviting different couples, saying, all right, there are going to be some of these we connect with, and it's one and done. And then others, you know, we connect at such a level, we're going to do this more often. Yeah. So now we have about three or four couples that are in different parts of the country that, you know, last year, one of them, we, we took a trip to Savannah. We planned it ahead of time. We spent like three or four days, got like an Airbnb, walked the city, talked, shared, went to restaurants and cafes, and we just did life together. And we do longer Zoom meetings with them. And, uh, it, you know, it's just enriching. And yeah. I know at any point, up or down, I could call them. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed among pastors, I've seen this in my parents and even in my own life, is a lot of times the friends that you make that are some of the most 
important friends don't always live near you in proximity True. in some way because where you're ministering, again, you're, you're the pastor of that city. There's a right. weight that you carry. But the theme of this conversation is really around intentionality, right? Mm -hmm. We're intentional with our friends. Yes. We're intentional in our relationships. Can you talk more about the intentionality really of talking about soul care over self-care, that mm -hmm. you can't just mail it in, even doing ministry. It has to come with that level of intentionality. It really does. And the question you have to ask, that we have to ask, and leaders have to ask is, do I have internally what it's going to take to face everything in my life externally? So everything that life sends my way, uh, it's like, and I'll, I'll talk, you know, I'll talk about this at, at times on Sundays at these soul care Sundays we're doing, but I'll, I'll say, you remember the scene in Apollo 13, when the Tom Hanks character, the astronaut, find, they find out the spaceship is in trouble. It looks like they're not going to be able to make it back. And he says that inf infamous line, Houston, we have a problem. So he's reaching down to say, okay, I hope you guys have down there what we're going to need up here to make it through. And that's kind of with us. Uh, the soul, uh, you know, even as the Hebrew, the nephesh, it's, it's that connected part of us. It's like where Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the whole of you, the connected part of you. And, and with it, intentionally developing that part of our lives. Uh, you know, I was raised in the Methodist church, but since about 17, I've been in an Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, and yet we work with so many different denominations, and I'm comfortable around a variety of them. Um, there, there, is a, there is a part of Pentecostalism that can look at spirit dynamic as only animated, jumping, mm. shouting, clapping, praising, and I love all that. Yeah. I really love it. But the Spirit also works in stillness. You know, God mm -hmm. says, be still and know that I'm God. So what are those still places of your life like? Um, meditation. You know, we say meditation. Many people often immediately think Eastern mysticism and sure. all of that. But meditation is a word that Christians need to redeem because that's David and yeah. you know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. But when we meditate, we build a bit of a sanctuary in our mind and heart. And I think it becomes like a shock absorber mm. so that when life hits a hard bump, we're able to navigate it. There's something within us just because of that extra 20, 30 minutes we spend in prayer in the morning or meditating on a scripture, waiting on the Lord, being still in his presence. But the shock absorber helps you hit those big bumps. But here's the deal. Shock absorbers, that's not the main thing they do on a car. They're stabilizers. They keep you steady on the ride all day long. Yeah. And uh, so I think developing those things, and ironically, you think you don't, you don't have to tell a pastor that, but, you know, uh, there was an old saying that shoe cobblers, kids have holes in their shoes because we give our best spiritual ministry at wow. church. Then we go home, oh, let me turn on the TV, I'm going to veg out, you know, and yeah. we sometimes don't have much to give. So keeping that, the part of you that you had long before you ever became a a pastor, yeah. or saw it as a profession, that intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. And we find, you know, the founder of Emerge, who's gone to be with the Lord, Richard Dobbins, who's kind of the James Dobson of the Assemblies of God. Um, I remember hearing someone ask him one time, you counsel so many ministers that have gone through brokenness and failure, many that have gone through failure, moral failure, multiple types. Is there any common denominator? And you know what he said? He said, intimacy. Their mm. intimacy in friendship and marriage had eroded mm. very often. 
and their intimacy with God, that genuine face-to-face, honest-to-God time in his presence had eroded. So that that becomes so vital. And to me, if a pastor is feeling like he or she is crashing and burning, it's worth doing whatever it takes to get the help that you need. Yeah. And those, those are the kinds of calls that Emerge gets about every day. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And as a pastor and a professor of theology, are there any things in scripture or even in teaching theology you know, for quite a while now uh, that jumped out at you that maybe were aha moments or revelations to you in scripture that you realize this is so important for us in intimacy with Jesus. You have several books mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. but w- what were some of those aha moments or things that jumped out at you as you discovered them throughout the years? You know, I would put it Logan in a person, John the Beloved, um, because as I read and reread the Gospels, you know, my first 10, 15 years as a Christian, I just thought there's something about the Gospel of John. You know, he recorded so many of the words of Jesus and no one else recorded. So was he listening more? Was he writing them down more? What was it? But then, you know, a couple of things. I, I think if you sent me back 2,000 years and my job as an investigative journalist was to find out who was actually the closest person to Jesus, you come back and you say, John the Beloved. Um, one is he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, mm-hmm. which I'm sure the other disciples loved hearing him <laughs> yeah. say that. It's like, you know, you saying you're the son, yeah. you're the child that your parents loved, totally. that your siblings would love yeah. that. Well, I mean, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. But in many ways, you know, the way parents love us, sometimes we feel like that. Yeah. And and I, I think that's okay. And I think the love of God is plenty big enough for us to feel that way. So John referred to himself that way. That was his identity. We talked today about identity. To me, the ultimate place of spiritual health is when you deeply believe that you are deeply loved by God. Mm-hmm. When you really, you're convinced of that, you believe that. And uh, so, so that's one. And then, of course, John the Beloved wrote the words in John 14, 26. He, Jesus' words, he who has my commands and obeys them. He's the one who loves me, and he'll be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and I'll reveal myself to him. He's the only one that recorded those words of Jesus that we know of. And what did he get to do? Reveal? He got to see the whole book of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. So that intimacy with God. And then he was the only disciple present at the cross. Mm-hmm. I love the interactions that you see somewhat on the, the film series, The Chosen, of mm-hmm. between he and Peter. Right. They ran to the tomb. Peter outran him. <laughs> you know. But then I love how it says... But the disciple whom Jesus loved went in first. I can see Peter all fired up running. He gets to the tomb and he sees the mist coming out. He's like, uh, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you go first. So, so this uh, intimacy, and then he reclined next to Jesus at the, the Last Supper and, uh, and, and taught us so much about uh, intimacy with God. And he recorded the words where Jesus said, I no longer call you servant. I've called you friends. So friendship with Jesus has captivated my attention. Yeah. The book you referenced, The One Jesus Loves, yeah. talks about the crowds, the 5,000, the 70, the 12, the 3, and the 1. It's kind of a journey toward intimacy with God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys, you, you, Pastor Rob and you guys at River Valley picked that up a few years ago and utilized it as a series. And uh, I, I, I appreciate that, but I, I, uh, I love the journey toward 
intimacy. Yeah, no, that's so good. And and to reiterate that about the book, One Jesus Loves, it's on my shelf. I read it. I filled it with notes. And we did it as a church, as you mentioned. And I was just asked about it last week at a conference. And they said, what's a great book on discipleship? I said, oh, the one Jesus loved. And I knew we were going to talk here shortly. But it's it. I think it it puts yourself in the story to say, yeah. where am I on that journey? I think a lot of books on discipleship, you know, they'll they'll walk you through the path, but you're not you're not really sure where am I on that. But in 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 your book that you wrote, it's pretty clear that you you kind of can self-identify. Where am mm-hmm. I? Am I yeah. am I as intimate with Jesus as John maybe was? And again, none of us will ever get right. that in the sense right. of the physical reality of proximity. Mm-hmm. But I, I was hearing uh, we had. Michael Murphy shared this at our all staff last week, but he said, when you get to heaven, you're going to ask Moses and you're going to ask, you know, all these people what they thought and what about this and the parting of the Red Sea and mm-hmm. Gideon and the army and everything. He said, but they're going to look at you and say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living inside mm, of you? Yeah. And I think yeah. there's a reality to us that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's yes. better than me being with you. Yes. Can you talk about some of the things that you've seen the Holy Spirit speaking to you throughout the years mm-hmm. and even in, in some of your transitions, maybe there's people that are afraid to say, well, I don't want to go from pastor to professor. I don't want to mm. go from professor to leading an organization to where you have to sure. turn into, God, what are you speaking to me today? Yes, yes. You know, uh, Logan, one of the areas that my wife has studied is calling. And her passion, if you want to get her excited about a topic, you ask her about calling. And she studied it and, and really came to the place where she believed that we were attaching calling to every assignment mm. and that the calling is really to Christ. It's like when Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, come and be a pastor. Come and be you know, a business person. Come and be. He said, follow me. That's the call. Right. So, so the call, she would say, is to Christ, for Christ, and it's of Christ. Mm. So, so that calling you know, towards God is really a big part of the adventure. And I think the, um, the, the work of the Holy Spirit within us, guiding us and giving us direction, it keeps us in that follower mode because that's where we all have everything in common. That's where, you know, even in the life of a church, where all of a sudden as you, you look at each other as followers of Christ, it, it makes the ground level at the cross. Right. And, uh, and it brings us together in him. But I, I think with the, um, the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, some of the things in my life, moving to those different roles, because, yeah, I was a youth pastor for about 10 years, then a lead pastor in Boston for about 15 years. And I had worked on a doctor of ministry, and someone, a mentor had advised that I do it. And I prayed about it. I felt like I was supposed to do it. And he said, if you do this, your world will grow. And I still remember I completed it. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm like, I don't feel my world growing. <laughs> but then I got a telephone call, uh, and I was asked to go to uh, Southeastern University and be in a lead role there and work with loads of students and and kind of to take the next 10 years or so of my life and to pour into a new generation, which now I look at it, I would not want to be in the role at Emerge if I had not done that mm. because we came to Emerge, an almost 50-year-old ministry that now this year is that many years old. And within a short while, we felt, okay, we're here to focus on Emerge 2.0, to bring around us a group of younger leaders. And we've got a great group now full of dreams and ideas. We've we've got more dreams and ideas than we have funding yet, but that's that's a good place to be because we know God will bring it in. And and doing that now, people ask me, what's the greatest joy in your, your ministry? Preaching, do I love to preach? Yes. Teach, love it. Love doing that. 
Leadership in developing organizations, yes. But the biggest thrill is watching people get into their niche in the kingdom. Getting into that place of Pamela, my wife would say, not just your call, because you're called to Jesus. And that's true at the beginning and as we meet him face to face. And there are different assignments along the way. You know, in his great book, The Call, Oz Guinness says, we need to recognize the calling, capital C, and then there are little callings, small C. And that changed for me. It was a youth pastor, lead pastor, uh, vice president of university, and now working with uh, Emerge. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the younger core that you're starting to develop at Emerge, yeah. what are things that you're excited about and even new challenges? You talk about that new vision that yes. you know, there's there's opportunities. Again, everyone says, hey, if you want to fuel the vision, we have it. But talk yes. about some of that vision for the, the future of Emerge and the yeah. next generation of counselors before we end this. Really appreciate you asking, um, Logan. You know, one... One is Emerge 2.0. One of the first things we did is, of course, updated all our branding and website and all those things that you do. And we're glad we did because we did it right before the pandemic hit. Perfect. Uh, when we arrived at Emerge, all the forms you completed to get an appointment were handwritten. Mm. So everything became digitized, all of that much more simple and streamlined. Then we began to talk about wanting to do a podcast like this. And initially, Pamela and I thought we we're going to host it. And we said, no, we'll be on it some, but we want a younger clinician to host it. So one of our team members had been a band member on Sonic Flood. He traveled oh, the, sure, yeah. the world with them. And then he came to us for counseling because he hit that point in life. Do I do this the rest of my life? I've got a wife and kids. And out of it, he realized he had a love for counseling. Mm -hmm. So he heard our idea, and early on he said, hey, if you ever need any help with that podcast, I'd be glad to do it. And so now we're getting ready to go like into our fourth season. It's called Experience Emerge. Okay. And, uh, and so that's something we began to do. But then now, through the pandemic, doors are beginning to open for a national telehealth network. Mm -hmm. So what we believe the Lord's put on our heart to do is to begin to provide counseling for pastors and church staffs all over the country so that they and their teams have access to quality Christian counseling where there's a focus on biblical truth, psychological therapy and technique, neuroscience, and the balance of those things to bring the best that we can to them. So those doors are beginning to open. Three years ago, that was not possible. Now there's a legislation afoot in all the states uh, that are beginning to lift the licensure barrier mm. from counseling from one state to another. Wow. Already about 50% of them have approved it. Uh, we're told that by the end of the year, it should be open. So we now have multiple steps that we need to take. We need to build some platforms. We need to continue to add to our team. So we, like I said, we have, we have more dreams than we yeah. yet have resource, but we see a great opportunity. And now we're having pastors uh, such as churches like River Valley and others that are saying, we'd love to have Emerge available at, at our call and need. Mm -hmm. I had a pastor in Michigan that told me, I'd love to have it set up so that it's available. The, the, I don't necessarily have to know when the staff uses it unless it was something major that I needed to know. Yeah. Um, but it becomes a, a support and a help to them. So some of those things. And then the other is with the, the national platform that God's given Emerge, my heart is, you know, I travel and speak and do that, but I want to see more of our team doing that as well sure. because there's so many needs out there, so many different churches uh, of different sizes. And we want to produce more material, video mm -hmm. content, some written materials as yeah. well to help people. 
Yeah, it's so good. And I, I think even in young adult ministry and youth ministry all over, it's only going to continue to grow as those questions yes. are asked. And yes. so for those who maybe are are interested to say, maybe they, they say themselves, I'm listening and I would love counseling, mm-hmm. or maybe they're a pastor and they say, I'd love to learn more about some of those resources. Where would you direct those people to go? So we would we direct them to go to emerge.org. And, uh, you know, currently we are able to do counseling in Ohio and also in Pennsylvania. Soon we'll be able to do it in Missouri. We're in the midst of working on that. But I just, you know, this week I got a contact from a network leader of many churches in Florida. He said, my dream is that we could have Emerge down here. I said, we'll pray. So we've already met with someone in their area, begun to talk with them, because once we hire someone on our team in a state, that whole state lights up through telehealth. So I would go to emerge.org, look at our material. And if you're watching and you're a couple in ministry in need, you're like, wow, my wife and I, or my husband, that'd be great for us to go and get three or four days of what we call soul care intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do that for you. And there's information online about it. Some would come in because there's such a dire need. Others would come in because they want to do it preventatively. One of the things that we have prayed about, I think it would be so smart, Churches hiring new pastors, if they had an agreement with their pastor, you know what, we're going to provide a trip for you and your wife to emerge every other year mm. just to check in and just to make sure that things are, are going well. I mean, Logan, we've even had missionaries from other parts of the, of the world who have gone through trauma, been held up at gunpoint, mm. and their whole family's traumatized. And they can't come in and spend several days with us at Emerge. So I would say look at Emerge.org, and there are also some resources, some blog posts and other things there, and definitely check out Experience Emerge. They're yeah. on that podcast. Loads of tools. There are even some, uh, there's some practices that are on there. Some of the programs we use prescriptively for our clients. We'll say, okay, before I see you do, you know, go through podcast sure. number 11. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. The, all that Emerge does for the world, for pastors, missionaries, couples, and uh, individuals. Thank you so much. On behalf of all those people, I know many in my own life that said, hey, that's changed our marriage, it's changed mm-hmm. our life. And uh, my mom's on the board. She is. And uh, love all that you're doing. And so thank you for joining us today on Talking Church. Check out your podcast, head yes. to emerge.org, and uh, excited for all God continues to do through you.